Hey guys, welcome to episode number 11 of the Mind, Muscle, and Soul podcast. Uh, today, I'm going to do a follow-up show uh, based off of uh, episode 10, which I just released last week. And uh, so I started to talk about last week about what to see in a program, what to see in your workouts, some important factors, and then it kind of led into a side tangent and a ramble uh, about uh, if you're belonging to the right gym, which is um, which ended up being the title of the last show, uh, because I thought that was uh, more important to hit on first. And uh, what I realized is as I was speaking about that, you know, I'm not talking to the people who are either working out on their own or not going to a personal trainer, writing their own workouts. And a lot of people find workouts online or through men's slash women's health or muscle and fitness. And just because it's published in a magazine or online doesn't make it a good workout for you. So what I want to do is I want to break down how the process of how I go about writing workouts for not only our general population clients, so the people who come in uh, to my gym and are involved in our, our large group training classes or our small group personal training classes, uh, but also for my private clients who consist of um, professional athletes and people who really have a specific goal they want to hit and they work with me privately. Uh, so when it comes to writing programs, we always have to hit the big rocks first. So for me, the big rocks are always the same, regardless of who you are and what your goals are, because the big rocks are the same across the board for everybody when it comes to movement. And in my opinion, there are five basic movements that our body performs. And they are, number one, an upper body pushing movement. All right, so an upper body pushing movement, you want to you want to visualize that as if you want to push somebody away. So you're or you're opening a door in front of you and you're pushing the door in front of you. So anything where your arms are extended out in front and pushing away from your body. So that's an upper body push. An upper body pull movement is a movement which is exactly the opposite where you're pulling something close or you want to open the door that says pull and you're you're pulling that towards your body. Uh, so those are the first two upper body movements. Now we, we look at the lower body. The lower body has two key movements, uh, and one is a um, is the the hinge movement or the hip dominant movement. And to to make that simple, uh, it would be as if you're going to go sit into a chair. So the first movement you do to sit in a chair is you stick your butt back, or you're sitting on a toilet. You stick your butt back. Uh, and before you actually lower. All right, so that's a hip-centric movement, moving those hips forward and back. And that is a, a very important movement that um, a lot of people struggle with because it's something that that isn't uh, necessarily a natural movement. Uh, the second lower body movement is a knee dominant or a squat pattern, okay? And that is after you move those hips back, then you're sitting straight down. You're bending those knees and you're dropping your butt down. Uh, and that is, that is our squat pattern. So we have our hinge pattern and our squat pattern or our hip dominant and knee dominant movements. And those are our, our most important lower body movements. And then I kind of group in uh, the next couple of movements, even though in our programming and our training, we break it up 
but this is just to kind of keep it simple to give you uh, an understanding of it. And right now I'll group them into our crawling or ground-based movement and our heavy carry or a, a farmer's carry or fireman's carry um, or front-loaded carry. And those are, are two very important um, types of movements. And, and I know when I, when I put in a ground-based movement such as a crawl, a beast crawl or a bear crawl, um, it's something that makes people feel very uncomfortable because it's not a normal movement in our everyday life. However, it is one of the most basic movements that we learn from the time we're a very little kid to a baby, um, you know, growing up. And it's something that's so important to movement quality that, that we have to address that in our workouts. All right, so those are our five basic, our big rocks that we, we hit. Now, to get a little bit more in-depth, uh, I want to talk about the structure of a workout. And, and one of the most important factors that, that's often neglected and often overlooked, and, and frankly, I see it all the time in our, in our general population clients because it's just not sexy and it's kind of boring and, and it feels pointless, um, but, I, but I promise you it is probably the most important part of the workout for longevity and to be able to continue to train and make sure you're maximizing your workouts. And that is the warm-up. And the warm-up consists of a couple different phases, in my opinion. Number one, you want to create mobility. So we start every workout, every warm-up, with a mobility portion of it. And we want to we make sure that we're mobilizing the areas that are generally tight. And... Areas that are generally tight are areas that we overuse. So, for example, your hip flexors. How many people spend hours a day, hours a week sitting in a car or sitting at a desk? So when we're sitting at a desk or sitting at a car, your hip flexors are flexed the entire time. All right, so when we're, our hip flexors are flexed the entire time, we are creating an overuse of those, which is going to create a weakness in the opposite side uh, of, of your body, which can cause lower back pain, which can cause hip pain. Uh, so, so number one, an area that we like to make sure we are uh, mobilizing are the hip flexors. Uh, another major area that I make sure that we hit to mobilize are our shoulders and our chest. Because if you think about sitting at a desk or sitting in our car all day or for hours, we are hunched forward, our shoulders roll forward, which creates tight pecs and weak upper back muscles. So we want to make sure that we are creating mobility through our, our shoulders and our chest um, that allows us to free up that movement because a lot of people have those shoulder impingements and shoulder issues, and that is from that hunched over uh, position that we're in often, which then creates the opposite effect on the other side, our back, our upper back, which I'll get to in the next part. So we always start off with mobility portion of a warm-up, always trying to hit those areas that are tight. Um, now, if it's something like where where like I'm working with a prof one of our one of my professional athletes, those areas might be different. All right. And that's where really where being a professional trainer comes into play, being able to be a, to assess that in an individual client and make that adjustment and change for them.
So after we go through mobility, we go into an activation phase. Now this is the, this is generally speaking, working on the opposite side of those areas where we wanna make more mobile. So if our hips are tight because we sit down all day, that means the backside or our glutes, our piriformis, which is a little muscle on top of the glutes that, that's kind of right below your lower back, all right, your lower back muscles, um, your hip, your, your backside hip muscles, uh, those, all those areas become weak because they're generally not being used because we are overactive on the front side. So we, we like to hit um, those non, uh, those non mirror muscles, which are usually in our general clients are usually the ones that are weak and need to be activated more. And they need to be activated before a workout so that we don't create problems and issues and injuries throughout the workout. So we, we mobilize the tight areas in this example, your hips and your chest, and we activate the underactive muscles, again, in this example, which would be your upper back, your pulling type muscles, and your lower back slash hip slash glutes area. So after we mobilize and we activate, then we want to go into a general dynamic warm-up, which helps raise the body temperature, but more importantly, it helps wake up the CNS or the central nervous system, which to keep it simple, essentially is the mothership of all movement in our body. The central nervous system consists of the brain and the spinal cord. And like I said, it controls movement. It sends signals to our body and tells our muscles to work and our bodies to work. So we got to make sure we get that fired up and, and, and ready to go because a lot of times it's turned off, especially, um, you know, when we are not using our body very often while we're sitting all day at work, etc. So if we don't turn it on and we don't get it fired up, then we will uh, be putting ourselves in a body t uh, in a position for our body to not perform optimally. So we do something uh, such as uh, overhead med ball slams or sprints or jumping, uh, something that will really wake that central nervous system up before we do anything with heavy weight or before we go into a higher intensity uh, part of the workout. So once we wake up the CNS and we're warmed up, our body's ready to go, then let's dive into the bulk of the workout, uh, which um, for today's uh, argument's sake, or I, not argument's sake, but for today's, uh, for, for today's conversation, uh, let's talk about a strength workout. And what we really want to do in a strength workout is hit every movement. Now, depending on how you work out, how, um, how many days a week you work out, depending on um, how long your workouts are, depending on what your goals are, there's so many different ways to structure it. Uh, I personally like to structure workouts in a total body uh, fashion. And that's because of uh, a couple different reasons. Number one, most of the clients that I work with, uh, don't have the schedule to work out four to five, six times a day where we can do a split routine. What a split routine means is upper body one day, lower body another day. Uh, but 
also, for the most part, the um, the general population that I work with are looking for um, to are looking to lean, lean down, quote unquote, tone up, put on some muscle, burn some fat. And the best way to do that is to get the whole body moving. Now, if you are looking for something uh, more particular, if you're looking for a more specific workout uh, because you have a, a different goal, such as putting on some more muscle mass or getting getting bigger and stronger, uh, I would probably recommend a split routine, a upper one day, lower body another day. And uh, that's because uh, we can really focus and, and, and put more emphasis on that particular part of your body while you're, uh, while you're training. However, most of the people that I work with and most of the general population out there will really excel doing a total body workout um, because, like I said, uh, you're hitting the entire body. Uh, you are hitting all movements uh, that require that are required you know, out of everyday life, uh, all the ones that I mentioned before that I, I won't get into again, uh, and you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Um, you know, so it, it really depends on what your goals are, but most people I'd recommend a, a total body workout a couple days a week. Now, what is that, that main portion, that, that bulk of our workout looks like? Well, it consists of the, what I, uh, spoke about before an upper body push, an upper body pull, a lower body, uh, hip dominant, a lower body knee dominant, and a heavy carry slash, groundwork, um, you know, ground-based work, like crawling, um, you know, now a lot of people say, where do abs fit into there? So if you're doing big compound movements, if you're hitting the whole body, you don't necessarily need to focus on just abs. If you're looking at, um, you know, a heavy carry, for example, a heavy farmer's carry we'll use, all right, you are generating a tremendous amount of activation through your core. And it is really unnecessary to, to get to the ground and do 100 crunches, which I'll save that for a whole nother podcast, but that is um, not necessary to do ever anyway. Uh, but you can throw a core in there. So there can be a sixth portion of the workout if you really want to add um, a little extra into there. Uh, so you, you can do a, a, a core uh, portion, a core workout. Um, or a core portion of the workout, a core segment of the workout, if you wanted to add that sixth segment in there. Uh, also, when we're talking about upper body pull and push, there are actually uh, four different movements, um, two within each. So an upper body uh, push, like I said earlier, uh, was uh, when you're pushing out in front of you, or let's say you're shoving someone away or pushing a door open. All right, that's called a vertical push. All right, there's also a horizontal push. Um, scratch that. Reverse that. <laughs> That's called a horizontal push. There is also a vertical push where you are pushing overhead. Now, I personally don't like to program that a lot in with, with a lot of our, um, with our, a lot of our, not only our uh, general population clients, but even our athletes, because most people don't know how to brace and lock down uh, their, um, their rib cage to make sure it's not flaring up while you're pushing overhead. So a, 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 compensation, a compensation for having uh, low mobility in your shoulders is having those rib cage flare, which causes an arch in your lower back and, and can create havoc um, and, and, and injuries uh, throughout your lower back. And that is something that we obviously always want to try to avoid. 
it is very difficult to teach that and to feel that until you actually get it right. So I try to stay away from some overhead presses. There, you know, I do throw those in our workouts, and you know, it can very much be a part of your workout. But if you don't have the the proper shoulder mobility, you don't have the proper bracing of locking your rib cage down while you press overhead, it could lead to a fathom of, uh, of injuries, such as lower back injuries or shoulder injuries. So uh, let me just throw that caution out there. But there is that horizontal push, so an overhead press or pressing overhead, and that vertical push, so pressing out in front of your body. Uh, the same holds true for pulling exercises. So there's the horizontal pull, where you're pulling towards your body, pulling a door shut, and the vertical pull, where you are pulling from overhead. So think of a pull-up, where your hands are overhead, and you got to pull your, your body to your hands. Um, or a you know cable pull down or a band pull down. That's a um, that is a vertical pull. Recommend is having um, a two to one ratio in your workouts of a pull to the push. So uh, for every pushing exercise, you have two pulling exercises. Now, why is that? Um, because most of us, if you go back to the beginning of this podcast, uh, and we talk about the areas where we're tight. And where we need to activate are overactive in front of our body. So our shoulders, our chest, they're all our upper back are rounded in. All right, we're hunched over, we're sitting at the desk and driving a car, et cetera, et cetera. Everything I talked about. All right. So those those areas are going to be tight and overused. So if we are just continuing to um you know, push, 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 bench press, chest day, push in front of us over and over and over again, sooner or later, we're going to create an injury because of overuse. And, um, and that's obviously we want to avoid that, uh, for not only, you know, for our health purposes, but because we want to continue to train. And once you have an injury like that, it's very difficult to train. Now we want to avoid, um, overcompensating like that. So I like to program two pulls for every push, um, again, everyone's different. This is just generally speaking. And, you know, when you work with a professional trainer, they should be able to assess that. And, um, that should be, uh, in their programming, um, based off of what they see and what they're working with when it comes to you. So we have four different upper body movements, you know, split up into pushes and pulls. Now there is a end part to the workout. Once we get through our strength workout, um, before I get to that, let me backtrack for a second. So we got our, our, our major strength part of the workout. I like to go big movements followed by accessory movements. So for example, a squat is a big movement. A squat is a big knee dominant movement. Okay. Um, a Pull-up is a big upper body uh, vertical pulling movement, okay? For me, a workout should not consist of just doing buys and tries or just doing small, um, you know, small shoulder exercises, okay? We want to hit the big rocks. We want to hit the big movements, and those are those are go what's going to be most important, and that's what, what is absolutely consist of in our workouts in my in the way I program so big movements first always and each workout should consist of a couple of big movements 
uh, going back to the ones that I that I spoke about. So if you're writing your own workouts, start with the big rocks. Start with your squats. Start with your pulls, your pushes. Start with your um, your hip dominants, such as deadlifts, and then work your way into accessory movements such as like hamstring curls or bicep tricep um, exercises or like a lateral shoulder raise where you're really just hitting uh, you know small areas in the body and you want to stick to those big those big rocks again like I keep saying those big movements because that's really what our, our body's based off of that's what our, our movements based off of and that's how we're gonna ultimately get stronger get leaner uh, and, and start hitting our goals. So now we got to go to the end of the workout. And depending on what your goals are, this could vary. Uh, so most people who have the uh, general fat loss, weight loss, tone up, get leaner, those goals, you're going to want to add some sort of cardio finisher at the end. I personally like a higher interval training uh, cardio workout, such as, you know, uh, I'm sorry, a higher interval. Um, yeah, higher, sorry. I'm trying to multitask while I'm, uh, while I'm doing this, a higher, a high intensity interval training. There we go. Um, part. So maybe finishing up with a Tabata, which is uh, 20 seconds on 10 seconds off for eight rounds. Um, you know, not obviously nothing heavy, uh, maybe squat jumps, body weight movement, squat jumps, push-ups, uh, kettlebell swings, med ball, med ball slams. Um, maybe you get, you're going to end a workout with some sprinting, uh, or some, some cardio. Um, I personally don't, don't like steady state cardio often. I think it has its place and I think, you know, this would be a good time to do it. Definitely not before your, your strength workout. Um, but there, it definitely has its place. Uh, but your finisher should just be a way to raise your heart rate, uh, push you a little bit harder at the end, burn out um, whatever you have left in the tank, and and send you on your way uh, feeling smoked and tired and exhausted and um, you know feeling good after your workout. Now, if you have a goal of just general strength training and you really just want to get bigger and stronger and put on muscle mass then you don't necessarily need to add a cardio finisher at the end. Um, that's really not not necessary uh, because you're just going to be burning excess calories that you don't need, that you, I mean, that you don't need to burn, that you really need to be use, utilizing for recovery. Uh, so that's essentially the bulk of, uh, the bulk of how we program. And of course, there's a cool down, um, you know, I, I, I've talked about it in a previous, uh, a previous episode, but the cool down is, is such an important part of the workout. Uh, you want to make sure that you're lowering your heart rate, uh, back to resting heart rate. You're getting yourself out of that, um, sympathetic state, which is that fight or flight state. And then, and getting your body back into the parasympathetic state, uh, which is, um, you know, very important for starting the recovery process. And I won't go into detail on that because you go back, I forgot what episode number it is, but considering this is only number 11, uh, I'm sure you could scroll back and find that. Uh, so that is all guys. Uh, I hope I touched on, I tried to touch on as, uh, many of the, um, bigger concepts in programming that, that I take and that I think about when I'm writing workouts for, um, not only our groups, but for my individual personal clients. 
and uh, I hope that helps uh, if you're trying to write your own workouts. You know, I'd be more than happy to help you. Uh, so please just reach out to me. You could email me, Mike at NGTCRandolph.com, or just send me a DM on Instagram, which is Mike at underscore Ercolano, E-R-C-O-L-A-N-O. And that is it for me for this week. I will be getting in touch next week. I'm sorry. I will be, again, I'm trying to multitask here. I will be putting out another episode next week. Uh, so please stay tuned for that. And uh, in, t- in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week.